This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Hello, Place to Be Nation, and welcome to the very first episode of Totally Rank, the podcast that puts your nostalgic opinions in order. I'm Scott Grimes, and I will be hosting an episode every month here on the Pop Experience. Each time, I'll bring on a special guest to help me wax poetic about all things music. The way it's going to work is pretty simple. My guests and I will both rank our 10 best songs from a specific calendar year. Today, we'll be counting down the top songs of 1980 from 10 to 1. Before we get the countdown started, though, I need to introduce my guest, although I'm not sure anything I say will do him any justice. If you're listening to this, you probably already know who he is, and if you don't, I'm sure you'll want to hear more of him after this. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Scott Criscolo. Scott, please introduce yourself, uh, and I guess if anyone is listening that hasn't listened to you before, let them know uh, who you are and what you're all about. Scott, it's a pleasure uh, to be here on your maiden voyage. Uh, it's um, it's not often. I, I, I love music. And uh, it's always great to have fresh content on any of our quad of pods. And uh, we needed a, a banging music show on the pop experience. And and uh, the purveyor, uh, Andy Atherton, and I have always talked about how to do um, a really good music show, music history show, because nobody wants to talk about the music now. Uh, <laughs> it's all about talking history exactly. because exactly. the history, the music then is much better than the music now. And uh, uh So I'm happy to be here. For those that don't know me, I am the uh, purveyor of the place to be uh, the PTB Wrestling Network, which is our flagship uh, feed. Uh, It's all wrestling. And uh, uh, we have now we're now coming up on in February. It'll be 12 years that the feed's been hot. So uh, the pop feed, I think, has been up about six years, I think now. Uh, Seven. and we're just a great family. We love to have fun. We love to talk all things pop culture. And it's an honor to be on with you, Scott, uh, number one, because you're a Scott and we're all amazing podcasters. And secondly, <laughs> and secondly, uh, again, I love talking music and I've always wanted the, the closest that I get to talk about music is on the uh, uh, the year in pop, which is a show that I've done with Andy and and uh, uh for the first, what, 18 episodes with uh, J. Arsenio D'Amato and the doctor, Dr. G. George Blano. Uh We're trying to get that show back in circulation. That, of course, show is like a – it's kind of like this show that, that, that you'll be doing, except in this case it's about everything. We talk about everything in a calendar year, TV, movies, sports, uh, that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm excited to be on a show where we just talk about great music, you know, whether it's pop, rock, uh, you know, hip-hop, R&B, jazz, I don't care. To, uh, you know, uh, chamber music, choir. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Hymns. No. Uh, I'm not going to judge your list, buddy. <laughs> yes. Uh, my number one song is Gifts of Finest Wheat. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, but uh, no, it's, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. I love talking music. And uh, I appreciate, uh, again, I appreciate the invite. And I'm uh, looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to be my inaugural guest here, and we'll work out the kinks and just make sure that things go smoothly. So no one I'd rather have on. I've listened to, you know, Place to Be Nation for 
five, six five, years six now, years now. Huge, fan huge fan of, of, of all the different all channels, all the different shows. And so it's just really an honor for me to be a part of the family. You guys have welcomed me with open arms. And I feel like the least I can do is is do my part and deliver some good quality content for everyone. And hopefully people like it and we'll keep this thing going. I've got some some grandiose plans here to release each month. And it'll take a while before we get to anything current. And then when that happens, I'll figure out how to maybe go backwards so that we don't have to talk about the crap this today. Exactly. <laughs> if we have to do a top like 10 tale- was kind of a good spot yeah. to start just because it's you get more of a variety of styles music in the 80s and i think it's you know, you know regardless, of, regardless your age, of your age there's usually something that you've heard of you know from from the 80s you know whether you're gen z gen x or a millennial i feel like the 80s is a, is a good time for everyone there's no doubt. It's, in my opinion, it's the it's the best decade ever. Uh, I was even though I was born in the 70s. Uh, to me, everything about the 1980s was great. I love the television. I love the movies. Uh, I love the music. Um, I was a uh, Mets fan. So the one year I love sports. Uh, I am a Notre <laughs> Dame fan. So one year I love college football. No, uh, but I, I mean, just everything about the 80s was great. I mean, we we. You know, there was kind of a malaise in our country in the late 70s. Music was great if you like disco, but the 80s had a little bit of everything. And and I'm looking forward to your next nine episodes after my after this one to go through the whole decade. And, uh, you know, yeah, the 80s had some, you know, I would say that I would say the 80s had the least stinkers of uh, of any decade. Um, So it's going to be hard to find a bad song. I'm sure there are. But even the bad songs are fun. So, uh, yeah, Agreed. I think it's a great Agreed. time to start. I a lot of, it's going to be a lot of one-hit wonders, a lot of, you know, hair metal. And I'm really, and I'm excited, really for excited for all of it. Yes, me too. Me too. All right. Uh, so let's uh, get going. So, going. so, so the way this is going to start, uh, the way it's uh, going to go, gonna go is, is we're both just going to go back and forth and count down from 10 to 1. And then at the end, we can, you know, reveal any, you know, misses or things that almost made the cut, cut. feel free to to call me out if you think one of my choices is bogus bogus and if it's a horrible song, song, please. The more we can do that, the more fun it's going to be for everyone. (laughs) Absolutely. I will not not, uh, hesitate to do the same. Please do. Please do. We all all need to be straightened out for for, for those that like too much... uh, uh, you know, uh, Mickey by Tony Basil. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so I, before I, we start the countdown, though, tell me a little, bit, a little about bit about what your criteria, criteria was making the list. Did you, you know, were you, you looking know, at billboard charts? Chart? Was it all was purely it all just based on your nostalgic, nostalgic opinions? opinions? What, what, what method did you take to compile? Well, I, I, what I did was I found the top, uh, the year end Hot 100 singles of 1980 because I don't remember all of them. Um. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of that is pop, obviously. Um, now 1980 was an interesting year because we were, we were, we were kind of out of disco by then, but there was still some wisps of disco kind of enveloped into new wave. Um, I feel like the first three years of the eighties was still kind of a piece of the seventies. I feel like we really didn't get into the true eighties until 1983 I've always considered 1983 to 1987 really the, the the wheelhouse of the decade. But 1980 was a funny year because you had uh, a, a lot of changes in music. You had some – obviously, the year in, in music was very sad at the end, of course, with the 
with the uh, assassination of uh, John Lennon, which kind of really, you know, kind of killed the buzz of the year, unfortunately. Uh, and for those that don't live in the Northeast, uh, who do live in the Northeast, uh, you know, feel free to to go to to Strawberry Field or Strawberry Park, I guess it's technically called now, in Central Park with the Imagine where uh, John, I think, is buried. Is he buried under it? I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's you know, I'm, I'm, my point is, 1980 was a was an up and down year, and it ended sadly on a down. But uh, we had some great music, and I, a lot of it. I, I I did nostalgic for me because I remember it on the radio as a kid, but I could have picked a lot of you know real stinkers, um, which we maybe I'll do on the back end when I do my uh, honorable mentions. But a lot of the songs were a combination of ones that were legitimate successes that I knew did very well, and uh, songs that uh, hit that, that that were hot on the radio. One song that's in my top ten. Uh, is memorable not because of the artist, but because it's probably one of the best soundtracks on one of the worst movies ever made <laughs> that came out that year. So that's that's a little tease as to what one of the songs in my top ten is. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, uh, you know, my music opinions are very they're 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 very straightforward, Scott. But at the same time. I think I, I try to give respect to things that sometimes get disrespected. And that's another song on my list uh, by a legendary artist who sadly is no longer with us either. But he's going to get some props from me tonight for uh, a song and an album that I think doesn't get enough credit. So a lot of it was success. A lot of it was personal tastes, but a decent amount of it was paying respect to great songs uh, that may not be remembered by many. Uh, when you look back at 1980 as a year. So I tried to do that as well. But most of the songs that I think are on my top 10, I'm going to take a guess that maybe six are on yours. I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to take a guess. that I think maybe you and I have four songs that are different. That's my, that's my take. I, I have, a, I have a good feeling. So it'll be good to see if we have some variety there. Uh, so yeah. listeners, if you listen along, keep track of, of how many duplicates we have. So the way we'll do it is, if you name one and it's higher on my list, I'll say it's higher, and that way we can wait to, to really talk about it so that we don't mm-hmm. have to talk about it twice. Right. And then we'll, of course. we'll just keep going. But uh, Guest is always going to go first on here, so whenever you're ready to unveil your uh, number 10, go for it. Okay. My number 10 uh, is a great new wave song that probably uh, – just typing it here – that uh, – it's definitely a one-hit wonder, but I think is a song that's memorable. This was, I think the song became more popular the following year when MTV started. I look forward to whoever your 1981 guest is because he's he or she is going to be very lucky to get to talk about the beginning of MTV. But a lot of songs that even came out in 78, 79 would get hot in 81. This was one of them. My number 10 song is Cars by Gary Newman. Uh, it's 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 a it's a classic new wave hit from the album The Pleasure Principle. Uh, you know, it's a it's a song that sticks in your head. You know, here in my car, I feel safest of all. It stays in your head once you hear it. Uh, to me, it was a bookmark of the year in new wave, um, kind of enveloping out of disco and even out of punk. Because by 1980, even punk got old. Um, 
and you were getting these kind of new wave artsy bands, uh, you know, like even Bowie at this point, you know, after the, uh, the Berlin sessions, um, he, he was in that new wave phase. And even though probably he may have had one more album after this, Gary Newman, uh, kind of stamped the decade for me in terms of, uh, marking the alternative sound that we would hear later in the first half of the decade from bands like Depeche Mode and, uh, you know, like Joy Division and uh, the Smiths and bands like that. So uh, I love this song. It's catchy. It was a song that MTV jumped on when Gary Newman made the video. Uh, and if a song sticks in your head, it deserves to be in the top 10. So, I'm I, I got to put Gary Newman on the list because it's a song that marked the beginning of the decade in terms of new wave. It it's such a fun song, it, right? It's got the new the new wave beat. It, it, even if you don't know the, the artist, right, or right. even necessarily the name of the song, you know it just from the. It's yeah, you move your head to it. It's it's one of those things that it, like you said, once it's in your head, it, it stays there for a few days, <laughs> almost half. And I think that's the mark of uh, of a good eighty song. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's definitely there for a while. So yeah, that's a great that's a great start. I mean, that's that's a great way to usher in the show. I think that's a, a great inaugural pick. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Uh, did not make, did my, not make list, my list. It's not for lack okay. of enjoyment. It's a song mm-hmm. that I, I certainly enjoy. I have a song that I think is a little bit similar on my list. So I think okay. maybe I try to stay away from songs that sound the same. I try to have a little bit of diversity to my list. I try not to do more than one artist twice because certainly there was an artist who had some huge years in nineteen eighty. Oh yeah, multiple singles that I really enjoyed, but I try to. To really stay really from that, um, I got lucky because a couple of the singles were actually in one, so I was able to kind of move them over to that list for for next time. So mm-hmm. um, but I'm moving to my number ten because it's and I love this. I love this very 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 different cards by Gary by Gary Newman. Oh, okay. I I start out with something that's very very corny, very hokey. I think it's from a band that a lot of people. Uh, I think a lot I, of people, people are so, they're synonymous with, with like cheesy like, sort of love ballads, ballads um, uh, you know, with, you know, with that sort that of statement, sort of you put it in a, put in a movie soundtrack or, or, or something of that nature, but, but it's just it's one that for whatever, whatever reason, reason, when I was looking at this list, I said, oh, I remember that song and I really enjoy listening to it. And then I put it on earlier today and I was belting it out as if, you know, it's something I do on a daily basis. Um, it's from the band Air, Air Supply, Supply, and, and it is the song called A Lot of Love. Ah! Love that song! I will never dis- so disrespect Air Supply, that. brother. Never disrespect Air Supply. Never. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, think of uh, Making Love Out of Nothing at all as kind of their, their maybe a little bit bigger one, which is the real sort of belty, um, you know, pop ballad one. But this one's right up there with it as far as, I mean, the vocals. Uh, that are in that song. I mean, the lyrics are really, really easy, really corny, right? It's not they're not reinventing the wheel or anything with with the lyrics of this song, but it just works. It's just 
this is you see the the crush right you see you're you're in seventh grade you see the girl you're crushing on and she breaks your heart and she goes to the dance with another another boy and all of a sudden this this is the soundtrack to your life type of song right i'm all out of love i'm so lost without you it it's just fun it's a great song to just put on if you're in that type of mood if you want to watch a rom-com and you want a song that kind of goes alongside that air supply is perfect for that so it's my number 10 for that reason i think it's a good way to kick off my list um i just couldn't leave it out i had to throw some respect on air supply's name i'm lying alone with my head on the phone thinking of you till it hurts i mean that's it man that's pain uh, that's a middle school boys poem, right? Absolutely. There. I I did not have it on my list, and now I feel bad that I didn't. But um, I uh, I have all the the love in the world for Air Supply. They were one of those bands that, first of all, they're 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 now technically, I guess, designated yacht rock, and no one will ever. I will yeah. die in the yacht rock hill forever. If you know me, if you know my PIC, Mister Azero, and everybody else here at Place B Nation, we are yacht rock junkies. So. I have zero issue with air supply whatsoever. Um, the fact that that they both had the name Russell in their name, one's first name was Russell and one's last name was Russell. I always thought that was funny. Um, I remember the album, which I think came out the following year. Uh, I remember it as a kid, uh, the one that you love, which is the album after All Out of Love. And I remember because the cover was a was a hot air balloon, which I always remembered as a kid when my mom had the had the album and my sister had the cassette all yeah. out of love was one before that obviously that came out this year and actually all out of love is my favorite air supply song so uh dude i am not you're not getting any argument out of me and this song is 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 that song that uh probably if you were slightly older than i was because my school dance crushes was until probably 85 but people like my brother who was in seventh grade in 1980 probably was in that boat with this song uh, yeah. but air supply is just, I mean, they, they deserve the props. I mean, they were pop giants from like 79 to 84. You couldn't, and, and they weren't, you know, people say, well, they're corporate. They, I, I hope we get to talk about some topics like this down the line. Uh, I hate the term corporate rock because it just makes me sick. Um, nobody does anything for free. Okay. And air supply might've been corporate pop, but you know what? Chicks dug it. Guys liked it because chicks dug it. All right. That's it. And they, they, uh, they were the precursor to what we would see later in the decade from even power ballads like Bon Jovi or, or, uh, you know, anybody like that. So air supply, I mean, obviously a little, a little heavier, but air supply definitely set the tone for the decade in terms of love songs, like, you know, always by Atlantic star and, you know, bands and songs like that. Like, you're not going to get, you're not going to get any argument from me that air supply is a band that, that, needs to be respected uh so i love that pick i absolutely love that pick perfect great let's go let's move on right along to number nine all right number nine is a fantastic song uh sadly this guy probably had he probably had like three or four really solid hits and then mtv he was probably one of the few people that (laughs) mtv hurt because you know he didn't exactly have the look so my number nine song is Ride Like the Wind by Christopher Cross because oh. uh, that song is a badass song that I've heard. There's a um, – here in Connecticut, there's a uh, a Harley-Davidson dealership upstate uh, that uh, used the song for 
well, since it came out pretty much. So for the last 40 years, they use it in their radio ads. Uh, for you, for you Connecticut people, it's Brothers Hardly Davidson up in, I think it's Brantford. And they, uh, they, they've been using Ride Like the Wind in their ads for 40 years. And it's a killer song and it's got a groove and, you know, his voice is amazing. Um, it's one of those songs that you could like play in the car and you might, you know, hit the gas a little heavier. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Radar Love by Golden Earring. It's like one of those songs that, that maybe left, makes your, makes your foot a little heavier on the gas in the car. And that's how I feel, you know, and obviously he would have great songs in the next couple of years. He'd have probably one of the best movie soundtrack songs ever from the movie Arthur. Um, and then MTV came along and then you looked at him and he kind of looked like us, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, and, and who, you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't look like uh, George Michael, you know, he didn't look like, you know, uh, I, you know, any of those like typical single, you know, solo artists like uh yeah he was he was no rick springfield and then no he was no rick Spr- that thank you that's what I was, that, his name escaped me he's no rick springfield so sadly even though he still sold a lot of albums uh mtv kind of killed him because they're like oh look at this big linebacker looking guy you know what i'm saying and it's sad because the guy had a great set of pipes and he could hit he could write killer pop songs so my number nine is ride like the wind by christopher cross because it was always on the radio. Businesses used it. It's just a good, solid, fast pop song. It is a really good song, and he is an underrated artist that, like you mentioned, doesn't get a lot of the credit. Certainly did not fit the demographic of MTV. And yeah, just, yeah, it just wasn't someone that was going to have the mainstream success at that time, unfortunately, going up against some of the other pop titans right the male pop titans of the of the decade you weren't right. going to lump him in with your princes and michael jackson's and george michael's it just wasn't going to happen unfortunately based on the right. lack of marketability but mm. yeah voice was i mean voice was great i you know i actually think that had he first come out about 10 years after he probably would have been a little bit more successful because MTV wasn't as new and they were, you know, doing more like, like Michael Bolton, for example, right. That type of Richard Marks, it, it was a yep. similar type of music that got more popular in the late eighties, early nineties, um, that type of music. I actually feel like he probably would have, he'd be remembered a little bit better. I think if, if this song came out in 1990 and not 1980. Uh, good point. They weren't as obsessed with brand new what's on MTV, new wave, all that stuff that was going on where it was, this right. was more expected. There was a lot more of this type of music that was more of the norm. So I actually think that's kind of what he suffers from. I think he was just a little bit too early for mainstream success, but it's still a great song, like you mentioned, and, and he's a great artist. And I, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, really enjoy like sailing is a great, it's a great song and, and some of his other ones, but. Yeah, this yeah, one, this one's good. good. It's a lot of fun, like you said. It gives you that that little bit of adrenaline boost that you're looking for. Uh, so I have no issues with this, and I think that I think that a lot of people would agree that this is this should be close to, if not in the top ten. Yeah, I, one quick. I, I was torn because I didn't want, I, like you, I didn't want to do two artists, two songs by one artist in my list, and this just nipped sailing. Yeah, which is the other awesome song, but I did not want to. I I, I I couldn't put both, so I took the faster song. But sailing, if we talk honorable mentions later, I, it just missed it. But I, I felt that's the better song from him, so that's why I put it on there. 
Yeah, awesome. Excellent. I think we're off to a good start. Uh, I'm going to keep it rolling with my number nine. And I have to admit, I think this is a little bit based. I think I have some recency bias here um, for unfortunate circumstances because I went back and I listened to the songs. And I don't necessarily think that it's one of the 10 best songs of 1980, but I really wanted to give some love and some attention to the artist because I feel like she deserves it uh, because we, we we recently lost her and I think that her album Xanadu um, one of the better albums of, of that time frame. So my number nine is Magic by Olivia Newton-John. Uh, it's, it's one of those songs, you know, the verses are pretty nondescript. I mean, they're not going to blow your socks off, but once you get to the, the hook and, and really the chorus, the got to believe we are magic, I think everyone pretty much knows that part. You could really sing along to it. It really hits that groove that you're looking for from her a couple of years after Greece. You know, you know, you distinctively you hear the, the hook and you know, okay, that's Olivia Newton-John. I know that voice. It's very recognizable. Got a nice little groove to it. Obviously, there's some other songs from her that groove a little bit more that I'm, I know I'll talk about in future episodes. But Magic is just fun. Uh, rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. I wanted to show her some respect. My mom is a huge Olivia Newton-John fan, so I grew up listening to my mom belt out this song as well as some of her others. And so I have a lot of nostalgic um, just respect and adoration for this song, particularly and Olivia Newton-John. So I really would have been remiss had I not put it somewhere on my list. Um, I th- yeah, I think yeah, it's just fun. It's just fun. one of those songs, songs that, you know, that, you know, if it comes up, I'll, I'll keep it on and I'll move to it a little bit and, and then I'll move on to, to something else. But, but I think this is a good uh, representation of 1980 as far as the type of music that was that was popular at the time. Again, she became one of the titans of, of that genre in the early 80s. And I think this is one of her, her trademark classic hits. You're not going <laughs> to. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I have it higher. You do, you do. I do. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna. Incredible. I know. I, I, you're. I got a lot to say. I, I got to be honest with you, brother. I got a lot to talk about Xanadu. So I'm gonna hold off. Okay, sounds good. So, so we'll just move on to your number eight. Okay, my number eight. Uh, I this song is another one that I think. Uh, and I know the band. Well, except for the lead singer, uh, the band hates it. <laughs> Most of them do, and and it caused it caused a lot of. Uh, friction for them over the coming years which ultimately led to their breakup later in the 80s but it's a great song and uh and i think it's it's a time stamp for the soft side of the band because they had some killer uh hard songs but this is probably probably their cornerstone which is an album of theirs uh song from them so my number eight is babe by sticks uh, oh, I, I love sticks and, but if you know their history, you know, that, that Dennis D young and Tommy Shaw never saw eye to eye a lot on band direction. Tommy Shaw was, a, was, a, was a rocker. He played killer guitar. He had flowing blonde hair. He was a good looking dude. And he would play songs like, you know, uh, too much time on my hands and, you know, mm-hmm. but Dennis D young had, he was he was getting hits and babe is a hit you know and uh, uh if we were doing the 70s if we were doing an episode in the 70s i most definitely would have come sail away on my list oh yeah um great song uh but i love babe because it it's again it's another soft song but it's got a killer voice by Dennis D Young uh it's got a it's got a good 
it's got a good feel to it and uh it's kind of like a sequel to their song um oh god lady which came out much earlier in the 70s um but i i just feel like it's a it's a song that marks sticks in the 80s i mean later i'm sure when you get to a future episode somebody's going to bring up mr Roboto. uh so which is kind of like the bookmark for them later in the decade but i am a big proponent of slow sexy rock and i feel babe is that kind of song um I have a couple of honorable mentions similar to that, but this song is the best of that. So my number eight is Babe by Styx. I like that. I think it's good to have some representation of Styx on this countdown. I think, like you mentioned, they were huge in the 70s and, and carried the success and the momentum into the 80s. Um, certainly one of those quintessential bands when you think, you know, early to mid 70s and then into the 80s. Styx is definitely one that that stands out there. So it's good to have some representation of them on the list. I agree. It, it kind of is a continuation of Lady. And that, that, I mean that in a good way because I mean, Lady is a great song. So I would agree with you there. Um, I do think that of their songs, if I had to put one of their songs on the list, probably would be Babe. I would agree with you. I do think it's that kind of soft love song, but it, you know, it, it's, it's not one of those like love songs that you, that you don't tell your friends you like. Right. Exactly. It, <laughs> you, this one, you can kind of hold your head high, right? And, you know, because they like it too, right? So you don't right, have to exactly. feel shameful for this one. So I think yep. that's a good, uh, a good spot for that. Yeah, right. I agree. My number eight. Um, it's time to come together, Scott, because my number eight is "Celebration" by Cool and the Gang. Ah, uh, great song. It, it's. I mean, this is everyone's song that you hear at weddings and birthday parties, right? And, and you know, quinceañeras and you know, whatever it is that's going on, you're going to hear this song. This is universally known, universally liked, and universally bopped to, right? I mean, you can't. You almost can't hear this song without moving some part of the party. Uh, it's just fun. Is it again the greatest song that's ever been written? No, of course not. You know, lyrically, but it's just fun. It's got the beat, the groove. It just signifies a good time, and who doesn't want to look back at 1980 and, and think about good times and, and you know having fun and, and just celebrating things? I mean, literally, you can use it for anything. It's in commercials. It's it's in pop culture. This is a song that you can't escape. This is everywhere. There's probably not a person with ears that doesn't know this song in some way, shape, or form because it it really is bigger than than music. Really, it, it really is kind of a, a pop culture phenomenon, and I think that. I, I couldn't not put it on my list. I, I had it at 10. I moved, you know, I moved things up and down a little bit, and it kind of landed at number eight. Because, I, again, the songs I have ahead of it, I think they're better actual songs. But I just think this song is just a lot of fun. And I can't think of a time where I've heard this song where I, it didn't instantly put me in a good mood and increase, you know, my levels of, of happiness. Uh First off, uh, once again, you'll never get an argument out of me of any Cool in the Gang song because Cool in the Gang kicks ass. So uh, I love Celebration. Uh, It's on my honorable mention. I got a story about Celebration. When I was in radio, uh, I had a buddy of mine and I had to put together a a vignette uh, when the Yankees won the 96 World Series. And he used... And he was a Yankee fan, of course. I'm a Met fan, so I was, pardon me, sorry to go off camera. Uh, I was ambivalent to it because I'm a Met fan. But I did, 
I did um we did use celebration. So every time I hear that song, I think of uh I think of John Sterling calling the last out of the uh, of the World Series to the Braves. So that that was just that song is just again, you could do it for anything. You could do it for a wedding, you could do it for uh graduation, you could do it when you win a, a championship. Um I'm sure sports teams have used it. Um, so I, I agree with you hundred percent. That is a fantastic, um, choice because that's a song it's cool. in the gangs, probably their biggest hit. I know some people may say Joanna, but that's a little slower. This is just a banger because, uh, you know, it, it, it also was a good time in the decade cause it's the beginning of the decade. So you're celebrating the start of a new decade. Uh, great, great pick, man. Great pick. I love that song. And it's, it's, a, again, it's a song that reminds everyone of good times. Uh, whether again, it's a personal thing, a sports thing, uh, you know, so I, I I like that pick a lot and, uh, I love cool in the gang. And if I do future episodes with you, uh, uh, I will have more cool in the gang. And I'm sure whoever you have between now and 19, I think they broke up in 87, I think, or 88, uh, they're, they're going to have at least. There's probably gonna be at least five or six more Cool in the Gang songs mentioned. So great pick. Yeah, we'll talk love that I'm pick. sure we'll talk about them a lot more. Yeah, love that pick. All right, cool. Hey, so far so good. We haven't hated any each other's picks. If you were listening no. to this and you're expecting drama, sorry guys. We're we're on the same page here. So yep. you'll have to yep. keep listening to see if uh if either Scott with the other Scott a new one. <laughs> well, I guess it's my time for my number seven. Uh This was a tough one because this may be I may break a rule of yours. So you might you might get mad at me this. You might get you might get mad at me at this one because I'm gonna break your I, I'm gonna break your artist having more than one song uh on the it's top. It's not 10. a rule, it's more of a yeah, that's completely fine. Yeah. Well, as everyone knows, this guy if you again if you listen to my pods, regardless of topic, could be wrestling, whatever, uh everyone knows I love this artist. He is my favorite solo artist of all time. I have seen him live 13 times. Uh, That's nothing compared to my co-host on the NWA Saturday special. Dr. G's seen this guy almost 30 times. And he had an album that came out in 1980 that's just a a landmark album for him. So this is the first of two from this guy on my list. At number seven is You May Be Right by Billy Joel. Uh the first of two. I won't tell you where the other one is, but uh, Glass Houses is an amazing album in his catalog. Uh, he was it was a change of pace for him after after the Stranger, the breakout album, the Stranger in nineteen seventy seven, and then arguably probably my favorite album ever, which is Fifty Second Street in nineteen seventy eight. Billy Billy has always been a guy who always had the pulse of what was going on in music. And he realized 1980, nobody wanted another album of, you know, piano standards talking about, you know, restaurants and pizza joints and, and New Yorky stuff. I did that for, he did that for two straight albums. So he, he and Phil Ramone were trying to get the heartbeat of music. And he realized, well, you know, we're getting into new wave. We talked about Gary Newman earlier. and, And so he wanted to make an album that was hard and kind of synthy. And he put he and he put out Glass Houses in 1980, and 
that's another album that literally every song is great. So I could, I couldn't not have two Billy songs in the top 10. Uh, the one that was more successful will be in my list later, but this one is just a personal favorite because, uh, it broke the mold for him and fitting that it's the first song in the album and the song opens with glass breaking. No, Steve Austin doesn't come out, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but he breaks the glass and he's breaking the ceiling of what he did before. And I love the, I love the, uh, the one thing I love about Billy, uh, Scott is that, and you appreciate this being, you know, a, a, a East coaster, um, that when you, when, when, when he does like inside, uh, lines on stuff around us that no one else knows. I kind of dig that. I like being in the know. Uh, yeah. So the, my favorite two lines are, um, I got stranded in the combat zone. I walk through Bedford style alone. Like I've told people like, where the hell are those? Places? Well, the, the combat zones in Boston. And of course, bed is a, a neighborhood in Brooklyn. And if you don't, if you're not from here, you don't know where it is. And you kind of chuckle, but it's a great song. It's hard. It's heavy. It's actually the song that he ends his concerts with now. Um, it's in the encore and just a great, fast, hard song that uh, is a change of pace for him and, and makes it makes the album that much better. So you may be right by Billy Joel is my number seven. I, I think that's a great pick. Um, I'm pretty sure the other one that you're talking about is in my honorable mentions because I just think it's, yeah, just a really, really fun song. Um, some people only do with Joel, I've, I've been told. So uh, you know, uh, you know, his 70s stuff is, is great, but there are some people who, you know, who only prefer his 80s Joel. If you, if you've seen Step Brothers, they, they only do That's 80s right. Joel. So, uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, but yep, I, I think it's a great pick. I, I think it's good to have Billy Joel represented on our list more than once. Um, because he is just a, a great artist, a, a well renowned artist. A lot of, you know, you don't hear too many people say a lot of bad things about his music. I mean, people will say, you know, some of his songs might be a little, um, maybe, I guess, boring, right? If, if, like you said, if, if, if you don't really get it, right? If you're not inside, like I can see, I can understand some people say that, you know, his songs are a little boring, but. I mean, to each their own, of course. But I, I think it's good to have him represented here. Um, it is funny that you mentioned, you know, sort of the, the inside references that he makes. It makes you feel like, you know, he's an artist for you, right? He's an East Coast artist, and that's who that's who he's targeting. And he doesn't really, you know, he's not really going outside of his box. He remembers where he came from. It's a pretty humble approach, actually, if you think about it. Is you know, he's mm-hmm. he's making music for his people. Right, I think that's, you know, he's not trying to necessarily appeal to the masses, which I think is his kind of whole shtick, right? He wasn't trying to be this ultra mega pop star, you know, know, some of the other contemporaries of the time. So I think that, you know, this song, these songs, that album sort of sticks right where he is, very consistent, never really did anything, you know, for the sake of doing it. So a lot of respect to Billy Joel as an artist and as a person, and I'm glad to put him on the list. I think for po- most of us that are listening probably know that I was going to have him anyway. So I'm going to get a good chuckle out of most of the place to be nation because they knew that I was going to put him somewhere. So it won't be the last time on any episode that Billy Joel will be on a list. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate not. it. For sure. <laughs> for sure. 
All right. My number seven right. is my by probably one of the most well-known and successful artists of all time. Um, And this is a song that, you know, we mentioned kind of disco, right, in the late 70s. And this is kind of one of those carryover sort of disco tracks. Um, You can kind of tell it was probably Donna Summer inspired because it kind of has that that type of 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 sound to it um and it's just a song that for some reason i just dance when when i hear it i just can't help but to start moving my head and moving my shoulders a little bit and really getting into a groove um because it's just a fun song it's another one i really have to credit my mom to because she would just play this all over and over again and so i've heard this song more times than i can count uh and that's upside down by diana ross Wow! Which, yeah, it's just a wow. fun song. I, I, I think the way that she delivers it, the way that she sings it, I think is great. You know, only a way that she could do it. Like I, I, that song's released by someone else. I don't think it's nearly as good. I just think the way that she sings it just brings it up a little bit. Um, but I just, I do. It's got that nice sort of groove, and and it's just a fun sort of, not necessarily post disco because there's certainly still a lot of disco in you know 1980, so it's not post-disco yep. but it's certainly on the, the back half of the popularity yeah. for disco but it's it's probably if i were just doing an entire episode of disco songs or disco inspired songs this would still make my list i just think it's a lot of fun i think she sings it well and it's just something that i remember hearing a lot as a kid and and thinking to myself hey i really like this this is fun this is uh this is something i'm really enjoying so uh diana ross upside down number seven uh I'm going to say, <laughs> this should be an interesting one. We, we're, we're not going to have a debate here, but I'm going to say this. Um, personally, I've never been the biggest Diana Ross fan. Uh, um, but again, I am going to do what you did, and I'm going to credit my mom. Because my mom is the biggest, and she's still alive. Uh, my mom is the biggest uh, disco fan Um uh, you could ever meet, and I'll. Uh, she she loved Donna. She had Donna Summer all over the Bee Gees. Oh my God! If we were if we were doing a Saturday Fever episode, uh, we'll be through yeah. the roof. But uh, um, but she liked Diana Ross. Uh, Diana Ross never totally did it for me, but there is something about that specific song though that I like. It's got a that early '80s. That's one of those songs. You know why I like that song, Scott? Because that specific song was on the radio when I was a kid, and I remember driving. Excuse me. Driving to uh, there's an amusement park in uh, in Massachusetts, right past the state line. Uh, now it's Six Flags over New England, but when I was a kid, it was called Riverside. And every time for like three years, from like eighty to eighty two, I feel like whenever I drove, our family drove there on a Sunday for the day for a, a family trip. I either heard Upside Down, Biggest Part of Me by Ambrosia. Or a Pointer Sister song. Like that, those three were always on the radio whenever I was driving to Massachusetts to, and Upside Down's one of them. And and uh, and I'm like, upside down, boy, you turn me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a good little it and and because I've always considered Diana Ross kind of like, you know, she might have come up with the term diva, but that song has doesn't have that like that like that the song from Mahogany that do you know where you're going? Like doesn't have that pompous kind of I'm Diana Ross feel. It was kind of like a song she kind of went in and kind of, and like, you know what? I got to go with the times right now and and yeah. get groovy. Uh, 
So I like that pick, actually. I like that pick a lot because I didn't even think about it. That's my shocker. I, I don't think there's I don't think the Olivia Newton John thing that we have is as big a shock as you putting Diana Ross on this list. I am very impressed. But again, her personally I'm not crazy about, but that song I like because it was a radio staple when I was a kid and it has kind of a good shimmy to it. So good pick. I like that. Yeah, I like that's that. exactly what it is for me too. It's you know, am I a huge Diana Ross fan? No. Do I respect her talent and, and her contributions to music? Absolutely. But this song, like you said, this is just fun. I think she was just adapting to the times and was like, oh, this is what you know Donna Summer's doing, and this is what some of the other artists are doing. She almost reinvented herself a little bit, right? Because this was yeah. a big departure from some of the stuff she was doing with the Supremes, and so I, I think she kind of adapted with the times, and we got this gem out of it, and yeah. Yep, I concur. We're on a roll. We're doing pretty good. I, so far, so good. I, I think that we've got a lot of good a good songs on here, and I, I think people, it's been pretty eclectic thus far. So hopefully if you're listening, there's been at least you know something you can kind of hang your hat on so far. And, and if not, keep listening because we've got at least one more Billy Joel and a ton of other stuff coming up. That's right, we do. Um, all right, so what am I up to? Number six. Uh this song probably I tried to make this song higher. I'm just typing it, so my uh I tried to make this this song higher and other stuff not only did I like a little better, but was were probably better songs, but I'm not gonna disrespect this band because they kick ass, they're heavy as hell, but this song has ha, had a nostalgic feel to it when it came out, and I think it was the next song after the song that came out earlier in the seventies that, that marked these guys as legendary, not just rock, but pop artists. So my number six is crazy little thing called love by queen. Uh, obviously at the time, if you're a rock fan, you know, queen undoubtedly, but as a pop fan, other than probably Bohemian Rhapsody to that point, didn't really hear much Queen. I mean, maybe Fat Bottom Girls or Bicycle Bicycle Race, but even those were very fringy for pop. Uh, rock junkies like myself, and I'm sure you, we all know all the great Queen hits. There's no doubt about that. Um, even the even the album cuts like Seven Seas of Rye. But crazy little thing called Love, because I remember the video when it came out the following year when MTV started, and Freddie was you know all kind of pompadoured up from the 50s mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think not only did it accentuate his singing ability, uh, but it gave the guys, the, the rest of the band, a different light. You know, Brian May is arguably one of the best guitarists of all time, but it wasn't a heavy song for him. Uh, the Deke, John Deacon, killer, and of course, Roger Taylor, the drummer, just all great musicians and a very different song for them. And it's a feel good. And every time I, I hear it on Sirius XM, it's kind of like it's kind of like like Upside Down by Diana Ross. It's like you want to turn it off. You're like, oh, I'm not in the Diana Ross mood. But but, you know, you just you can't help yourself. That is the mark of a great pop song. Even if you're not a big fan of the artist, you're like, oh, I don't feel like listening to Queen. I just I just listened to Day at the Races. But you can't help it. You can't help yourself. That is the mark of a great pop song. And throughout this wonderful show that you're going to host and, and we have here on the on the pop feed, 
you're, there are going to be tons of songs like that where you're like, I can't help myself. I'm just going to, I just got a shindle. Yeah. And that Queen there, song for me is it. So crazy little thing called love at number six. Yeah. There are more of those later on my list that are coming up. I'm sure that, you know, in that same vein. Um, well, Scott, your number six is a Queen song. My number six is a Queen song as well. But mine is another one bites the dust. Ah, which is also just another classic, iconic. Yes, yeah, it's one of those that you, you hear the title and everyone did. Everyone does what you just did, right? Yep. Immediately in your head, it's dun 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 dun. dun. It, it, yep. It's just honestly, if that song was an instrumental and it was just that, I think it would still be on my list. Just of how catchy and infectious that beat is. And then you throw in Freddie Mercury's vocals. I mean, the way he comes into those those verses, just with the you know the tone of his voice and the you know the high notes that he's hitting. I mean, that song's so much fun. I initially I, I thought this is certainly going to be in my top five because it's Queen. It's another one bites the dust. It's such an iconic song. And then as I started to compile my list, so I was pushed ahead of it. But I knew this would be somewhere on my list. I knew I'd have Queen. Kind of figured you'd have some Queen somewhere, and Queen was going to come up because 1980 is a great year for them musically. Um, so it, it only made sense that they would be on here. I I can't argue with yours. I think Crazy Little Thing Called Love is amazing. I think Another One Back to Dust is amazing. We could have chosen other songs by them, and all of them would have fit on this list. And I don't think there'd be much debate because that's just how great of a band they are. Um, there's, there's, I'm not going to say too much because like you mentioned, I'm sure there'll be a lot of Queen on the first. Five, six five, episodes six of the show, show, I anticipate. So, so I will. I, will, I don't want to sound like a broken record already on the first episode. So I'll leave it at that. But your number six, Queen. My number six is Queen. We're rolling along, and uh, I'm excited to see if we have any other duplicates. Maybe even if it's not the same song, same same band. Um, the best part about you picking that song uh, is you inadvertently did some cross promoting because, of course. Most wrestling fans, when they think of Another One Bites the Dust, they, of course, think of WWE Hall of Famer, The Junkyard Dog, because that was his song before Vince actually didn't want to pay for, for <laughs> didn't want to pay for yeah. copyrights anymore. Um, he's like, I'll pay for Eye of the Tiger, but that's the bottom line. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then, he, then he pretty much handed Hogan Real American. But uh, when I was a kid, anytime I heard that, I thought of JYD shaking and strutting with the thump on his butt in the... Uh, and shoot and, and dancing with the kids in the crowd. And so I love that song. I absolutely love that song. And uh, I, I do know for a fact that, and I love the movie. I have it. It's on my shelf in the other room on my Blu-ray shelf. I love the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, but from what I've heard, the story behind that, that song is a, li- a little creative license, um, <laughs> but, but that's fine. I love the, I love the fantasy of the movie. Um, but yeah, that 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 song's a banger. Uh, I don't disagree with you at all on that. And but think about that. That's what makes Queen great. Two completely different sounding songs. You got crazy little thing called love, which kind of goes back to like the fifty doo wop thing. It's and like then you Elvis. got yeah, right Elvis. Elvis. And then you got another one bites the dust, which kind of has that little kind of Parliament funk kind of thing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And and he grooves it. And Freddie could sing both like like nothing. And that's why Freddie, God rest his soul, is one of the greatest of all time. I love that pick. I love that pick. And uh, I believe that's the Game album. Uh, I think yeah, it's the yeah. album that came out in 1980. So uh, probably a top 10 selling album that year 
for that reason alone. Two absolute banger, banger singles. Uh, I love that pick. I love that pick. Uh, yeah, same number doing- sixes. Uh, uh, let's let's get into your our top fives here and uh, see if we, you know we agree on some other things. Yeah, well, uh, here this number five, and this is a respect thing for me because we're talking about a guy who um, we're talking about a guy who is arguably another one who's no longer with us, but uh, is arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. Now, things that went on in his life still, even now that he's not with us anymore, still kind of linger in the air and anybody can make their own personal decisions on that. But no one can argue the fact that this guy is one of the greatest pop artists of all time. And I'm glad one of the many reasons, Scott, that I'm happy you have me on this episode is because I want to talk the crap out of this album as much as this song. My number five song is Rock With You by Michael Jackson. Because I think as great as Thriller is an album, and you and I both know it. You and I probably have both owned it. I had it on vinyl. It's actually in a frame on my wall in the other room. I think Off the Wall is one of the most disrespected and forgotten albums in of the decade. And I think as great as Thriller is, and as good as Bad is, Off the Wall is a damn, damn good album. And the year before, 79, when when Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, which is a total wedding song in my life. I've danced that song with a few in me many times. <laughs> <laughs> um uh that song is a banger. I know we always use that word to death, but but uh Off the Wall, the title track, which also came out in 1980. I don't have that's in my honorable mm-hmm. mentions, but also but Rock With You, every time I hear it, I go, Man, God, this song is great. It's got a nice smooth groove, Michael's kind of silky voice. Um uh and oh, again, he does that throughout the whole album. Um oh yeah. Uh, she's out of my life. Fantastic. Next to that's like my favorite, my second favorite Michael Slow song next to Human Nature on on Thriller. But all, uh, but Rock with You is just it's just so like again little disco like you said we're in the back end of disco, but it's got a good pop sound and you know. I feel like pre-thriller Michael doesn't get the props he deserves. And uh, I highly recommend anybody go on Apple Music, Spotify, whatever. Find Off the Wall and listen to the whole thing from beginning to end. You will not be disappointed if you haven't. And and my number five is Rock With You, although I could have put Off the Wall. Don't Stop Till You Get Enough technically came out in 79, so that that doesn't count. But Rock With You is just a great song. It's got a good groove. And his his voice is killer, and it's one of the last like disco-y vestiges that we get in the early part of the decade. So I, I was so happy to be able to talk about this tonight because I feel like Off the Wall as an album never gets the respect it deserves. And everybody talks about Thriller, and I think Off the Wall deserves a little a little love. So Rock With You by Michael at number five. I'm so happy that this is on your list, Scott, because 
personal things aside, Michael Jackson's my absolute favorite musical artist of all time. And I, he make, I may find a way to have him come up on every single episode of the show, whether he released anything or not that year. <laughs> Just because of, I mean, the mark he left on music, you can make the argument that totally he should be included on any, any sort of list um, regardless totally. of the year. So yep, totally. this is in my honorable mentions only because I, I made the choice to sort of slow burn my Michael Jackson fandom in on this show. Okay. Because sure. I don't want it to get redundant because people are going to say, oh, it's another episode of Totally Rank. Oh, we're going to hear Scott talk about Michael Jackson. And you know what? Yeah, you're right. You are. Um, so I, I, I'm slow burning my way into it. But everything you said is accurate. I think this was the actually the perfect way for him to sort of transition into an adult solo star. Right, because he point. had you know band, and he had some of the other stuff that was solo outside of the Jackson Five, but this was really the the introduction to him as an adult male pop artist, right? And I think the Wall album was a great way for him to usher in that era of his his life and his career. Um, I may alienate some people who are listening to this if you're not wrestling fans, but what you're saying about Off the Wall to me, Off the Wall is Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 19. It's an incredible match, but people go to Michael's Undertaker, Michael's Angle, Michael's Undertaker, right? That's If Michael's Taker from 25 is Thriller and Michael's Taker from 26 is bad and Michael's Angle is, you know, dangerous, or, you know, off the wall is, is Michael's Jericho, right? It, it's, it's still an incredible, it's a banger, but people don't necessarily go right to it. Yep. And I think that's what Off the Wall is, like you mentioned flawless, you know, nearly perfect five-star effort, but not the first two or three probably that are going to come up for most people if they're talking about his discography, which is more of a testament to how great he is and not how, you know, bad the album is, right? So, Sean and I'd rather have, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, when you were saying that, I kind of thought to myself, it's it's the maybe forgotten album of, of the GOAT of, of pop music, let's say. What's the not necessarily forgotten WrestleMania match of, of Shawn Michaels, because I'm sure people would like to forget you know, some of the other ones, but of all the Shawn Michaels WrestleMania bangers, if you will, it's one that maybe doesn't necessarily come up right away. You always hear Angle, you always hear Undertaker, you know, the Undertaker matches. Some people really even like, you know, Shawn and Vince. But, you know, some people, again, sometimes overlook Shawn and Jericho at 19, which is on its own, an incredible effort and one of the better mania matches there is just gets lost because it's maybe fourth or fifth on Michael's individual mania matches. So, yep. Uh, sorry for that, uh, non wrestling listeners, but I, I figured, uh, you know, Scott would appreciate that and, and understand it. So, I love you, man. Uh, gotta purvey, gotta purvey because it's the quadrupods. And when you go to, when you take a right hand turn, from out of Andy's office, my office is the biggest one because I'm the senior guy. So then you go, then all the all the wrestling's on the wall. So, but uh, that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. That made me smile. That made me smile. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate speaking that. Of, speaking of smiling, this next song makes me smile because I just think it's so much fun. Um, it's a song that again everybody knows it. Um, it's been covered a bunch, right? This is one of those songs that like modern bands have tried to cover, and none of it really does it justice. Um, there was a TV show named after the title of this song, you know, um, which is a forgotten Amanda Bond sitcom that no one remembers or cares about. But my number five is What I Like About You by The Romantics. 
Um, ah. it's, it's just a fun song. It, it's mm-hmm. it's everyone you can sing along to, and it's easy. It's simple to sing along to. This is something that you know you can sing along to at age five or age sixty-five. You know the words, and yep. it's easy to sing along to. You just start with what I like about you, and then you just start naming stuff. You keep me warm at night, etc. Um, I just, I, I just find it to be just a great, easy listen. Always enjoyable. There's never been a time where I listened to the song and I felt like, oh, that was a waste of you know three minutes, and ten seconds, or you know however long the song is. I, I've just always enjoyed it. I think it's a, a great song. It has really stood the test of time. I think it still comes up. Comes up. You know, you'll still hear it again. You know, something that happens in the eighties still comes up. Comes up. One of those. One of those. Fun song, fun song, stands the test of time. time. Um, easy to sing. I like songs that are easy to sing along with. It, catchy, catchy and uh, uh, pretty simple. Because, because sometimes, sometimes I'm in a mood where I don't, where I don't feel like feel really, like, you know, breaking down the lyrics. And oh, what, 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 did, what did they mean when they were saying this? Sometimes you just want to put on a song, just enjoy the music, enjoy the beat, enjoy the instruments, and have nice, simple, fun lyrics. And I think this song encompasses all of that. So what I like about you is my number five. Uh. It's funny that song actually uh has a funny uh backstory here in my home state because uh for those that that are college basketball fans um Yukon was not always this good or this well known even throughout the 90s before 1990 uh Yukon good until like Daniel Marshall, right? Yeah, they 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 their first real big season was 89-90. They made it all the way to the – they won the Big East Tournament, and they made it to the regional final, and they actually lost to – they were the first of many uh, uh, Christian Leitner daggers. But during the Big East Tournament in 1990 and kind of leading into the NCAA Tournament, uh, I don't know if it was some local band or something, they kind of uh, tweaked the romantic song, What I Like About You, and changed it to what I like about you, Con. Mm-hmm. So that, that got played to death for a couple of months in the spring of 1990. So uh, that song has actually a special place for me just because I'm not a UConn fan either, but believe it or not, I'm one of the few people live in the state that can't, that, that are not fans of the UConn men, but uh, that I just find that funny, but I agree with you. Catchy song. Uh, I remember it on uh, the radio. Uh, they also, another music video, um, and it's another song that you turn up and, and accidentally kind of give yourself a, a metal gas pedal foot and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and kind of brings the energy level up. It's a good party song. It's a good bar song. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, when you're when you're thinking that when you're thinking the, the energy level in the bar is starting to kind of dip a bit. That's a good classic cut to throw on and get everybody all pumped up. So uh, I like that pick. You know, what's funny. I'm going to be honest. I'm breaking the fourth wall here. You were talking so much about Michael Jackson that I'd forgotten that you didn't have him at number five. And you started talking about the romantics. I'm like, why is he taking number four? I thought it was my turn. And then I realized <laughs> you didn't pick Michael Jackson. And you started talking about the romantics. So I guess that's just my age. But <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, great song. And actually a good follow-up song, Talking in Your Sleep. Very solid song by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I like that's a good cut. I like that cut. It's Again, that's another good catchy uh, early 80s, you know, turn the radio up song. I like that. Good, good pick. I like that. All right, cruising along. Keep it, keep it going. All right, number four. Uh, and now here, here is where I will put my second Billy Joel song. Uh, this is the one that actually did better 
chart-wise, even though it's actually, I'm putting it higher, even though it's actually not my favorite song on the album. Uh, my favorite song on the album is what we just heard, was I mentioned, you may be right. But this song, quick, uh, groovy. It kind of reminds me of Queen's Another One Bites the Dust a little bit. Mm-hmm. My number four is still rock and roll to me. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a it's a good quick three minute banger uh, banger. It's actually not even a banger. It's just a smooth three minute song, and it, it, it's got the same kind of feel that that another one bites the dust does, where it's you know dun, 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 dun. it's great live. Uh, it's a fast song. I think it's only like I don't even think it's barely three minutes. It might be like three ten or something. So it's a fast listen, but it's got a good groove. It's an easy song to sing. Uh, once again, it's got an inside joke. People wonder what the Miracle Mile is. It's actually a road in Long Island. Um, but I, I just, it it made good money. Uh, it was his first number one. And it it, it really marked, Gla- again, to bring up that album again, it marked Glass Houses as just an incredible uh, money-making album for him and a big, big, big favorite for the fans uh, because it was a change of pace from The, the Stranger and, and 52nd Street. So, um, yes, I am the I am the Billy fanboy. Um, I may pick Billy every, every year in this decade as well. Um, I guess I got to stop after 93 though. So once we get into the mid to late nineties, if you invite yeah. me on after 93, I'm going to have to invent some Billy songs, but, um, but yeah, not just, just a great song quick, but good beat, good rhythm. Again, reminds me a lot of, of, of Queens. Another one bites the dust just has a good, boom, 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 boom. It's got a good beat by Liberty DeVito as drummer. Um, yeah, I, I just I, it's it's a song that marks 1980 for him. It was his first number one. I think it won Song of the Year. It definitely won album the rec, the the album won Album of the Year. That I know for a fact. Um, just a, a great great song, uh, and and one that Billy should be very proud of. And again, uh, played on the radio to death. So uh, number four on my list, still rock and roll to me, Billy Joel. That's yeah. I figured that's the one you were referring to earlier, and it's in my honorable mentions. It really is just a really fun song. Um, everything about that song is is pretty much flawless, right? I mean, it, you really can't nitpick it at all. It, it gets the job done from from every single level. I think it's universally enjoyable. I think it's really hard to to say anything negative about it. It's a it's a really good song, a fun song. Probably yeah, like you said, a little bit different than what he was doing up to that point. I think probably surprised a lot of people at the time. Uh, when they Definitely, heard, you know, and, and heard that it was Billy Joel, and so I think again, that's just a, a, a you know a mark of, of true genius and, and true musicianship from him, you know, to be able to to take that turn and, and do something else, but still have it be successful and, and accepted pretty much by the masses. So I, I can't argue with you. Your Billy fandom is more than welcome on the show anytime. Thank you, Andy. Andy might tell so, you something I, different. <laughs> Anybody oh, well, no, you know what? That, I I, I want to keep this this show going, so maybe maybe I'll have. Yeah, to, no, no, uh, no. Nah, he's that's right. He knows. That's all right. Nah, he's all good. <laughs> Trying to get another another year out of this thing. All right. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, we're gonna cancel your show after one episode. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll be like I gotta, the, I gotta the, take I'll be like the the, the Joey spinoff of, of the pop feed. Right. What, what did that last a couple episodes and then got canceled? <laughs> Joey. I don't want to go down that route. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> all right. That's funny. I think, so it's my number four. Uh, yeah. My number four yep. 
is from a, a band that some people confuse and don't realize is a band, but it is a band uh, that's probably almost guaranteed to come up on my next episode as well because they're probably their favorite song of mine is from 1981. But 1980 also had two big hits by his band. Um, I went with the one that I think is just better and the one that I enjoy more. A huge band. This is another one that, that my mom just played over and over again. A lot of different songs from from this band, and I, I really gained a lot of appreciation uh, for them. So thank you, mom, for exposing me to a lot of the music that I'm talking about here. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have this show, to be honest with you. So uh, my number four is "Call Me" by Blondie, which is it's just another song that has a really cool beat to it you know it's one of those like if if anyone on here you know does hurdle um you know and and you need to identify the song within the first couple seconds this is one of those because as soon as the you know comes on for for call me you automatically know what song that is um i think the way that debbie harry sings it and delivers it it's incredible Again, one of those. I'm not sure anyone else could have done it justice the way that the way that she did with Blondie. Um, I love Heart of Glass, which was a little bit earlier. I think that's a good Blondie song. Uh, yep. Like I said, I, the uh, Tide Is High also came out this year in 1980. Yes, it did. This, this one to me, Call Me, is just a little bit better of a song and, and more fun. This is one that you hear all the time. Like you mentioned, this will be at a bar. If I go out to karaoke, you know, and there's usually, you know, a woman in her, in her you know, over 40. One of the options the option will be Call Me by Blondie. It seems to be. I, I hear this at karaoke quite often. Um, and I think that, you know, is a testament to just how well, like, this song is. I think it's a, a good song. I think her vocals are incredible. Um, and just a song that I heard probably way too much growing up. But I'm glad that I did. Um, I have that song higher. Well, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So I will. I will withhold my my opinion. But uh, yeah, and and we don't have a lot of slots left. So where where it is? Who knows? We don't have a lot of slots left. So um, you predicted I don't have that we'd have six that were the same. We're not going to get to six, but it's good to know that we definitely have a few, yes. uh, you know, crossovers. Yes. Uh, all right. My number three. Uh, is one that is the first one that you've already mentioned. So I'll just put it. So my number three is where I have uh, Magic by Livy Newton-John. I have it at number three. Love that it's in your top three. I, I'm going to tell you something, Scott. And this is, this is, I am, I have zero shame in saying this right here on this show. This might be more embarrassing for Andy Atherton than all the Billy talk, but, um, but he's, he's, he likes, he likes, he's a fan of some really bad movies. So I, I mean, I love Andy to death. So, <laughs> Um, when you look at the, uh, I think it was actually the first year of the golden raspberry awards, I think started that year. Xanadu probably won all of them. Uh, it's probably in the grand, in the general Hollywood scheme of things, it's probably one of the worst movies ever. I think it's developed a cult following over the past, like 20 years. And I think maybe now that sadly, and she's like a, she was like a legit angel, Olivia Newton-John. Uh, could anyone ever say a bad thing about her? I mean, she had the perfect voice. She had those gorgeous blue eyes. She had that gorgeous blonde hair. She was, she had great collarbones. <laughs> she was just, she was gorgeous. <laughs> and she was just, and she looked amazing in something that showed off her arm. I mean, she, never mind. 
we don't want to go. Then Andy will really shut us off now. Um, I loved Olivia Newton John. I uh, loved her in Greece. Uh, she had some good country stuff in the seventies. Um, Xanadu, I think, was a little amb- ambitious, and I think the movie kind of fell into its own pile of whatever. Having said that, when you look at some of the greatest soundtrack albums of all time, Xanadu's got to be at worst in the top 10. There is not one bad song on the Xanadu soundtrack. And the song and the album's cut in half. I don't know if you know this or not, Scotty, but uh, half the album is Olivia Newton-John and half the album is a band that we're probably not going to mention tonight, but uh, if you ever do any throwback 70s shows, I'd love to be on because I will wax crazy about about Electric Light Orchestra. ELO is a fantastic band. Jeff Lynn is a is a friggin he's like the Paul Heyman of music in the 70s. He was an absolute <laughs> mad scientist who mishmashed all sorts of things together and came up with unbelievable pop songs. And there's that album has Suddenly, which is a duet with um uh, Olivia Newton-John and Keith and uh, Keith, Keith Richards. Oh God, uh, Cliff, Cliff <laughs> Richard, not Keith Richards. What a duet uh, that would be! Yeah, imagine that one. <laughs> you would keep them two in separate rooms. Um, <laughs> Keith, uh, uh, Cliff Richard, which is a song I'm going to mention in my in my. Uh, there's another Cliff Richard song I'm going to mention in my in my uh, um, honorable mentions. Uh, on the ELO half of the album, there is a great song called "All Over the World," which I actually will turn up in my car and sing. That's how much I love the song. And then the actual title track, Xanadu, is a great song. Magic, though, yeah. just kind of has that have to believe. Like, I remember the song playing. That's another one of those songs, like you said, that you think about from a time in your life. My mom had the tape, the cassette of of Magic, and of uh, the Xanadu. She had both. She had the vinyl and the, that's how much she loved the movie, the, the soundtrack. She likes the movie, too. But the vinyl stayed in the house. But in the summertime, when I had a pool. And so in the summertime when we would be out swimming, magic always came on either the radio or came on my mom's uh, Xanadu cassette tape, uh, soundtrack tape. And that song just stuck with me. Love it or hate it. It's it's it is a groove. And it began what would be a pretty good first half of the decade for for ONJ. Uh, she she like pulled the ripcord after this one. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Greece speaks for itself. Her movies after this would be a little, but the, at least in a lot of the movies, the music is great. And I, when when you, I, I got man, I got to be honest. When you said magic, I said, yeah, this is a show I'm going to listen to all the time now. <laughs> I was going to anyway, but now I officially am. Even more than any anything else, the fact that we love Olivia Newton John. I mean, she. The song is great. It's it's got a good feet. It's another one of those. I mean, I'm sure Jeff Lynne helped on that too. The, the 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 twangy guitar in the beginning and her her voice and uh, it's a great pop song. It's a great great pop song that I think kind of like Michael with Off the Wall. I think gets forgotten because the movie is so yep. horrendous that anything off that album gets totally forgotten in history because the movie is crap. But and and and. Again, I think now, not that it's streaming anywhere, and don't even ask me how much the Blu-ray is worth. Um, it's probably not as crappy now as maybe it was in 1980. But that soundtrack album, absolutely, 
if you are a pop fan and you love ONJ, you need to have, you need to own, or at least have it on your, your Apple music or your Spotify list. You need to have the soundtrack to Xanadu. It is a classic soundtrack album. You have no idea when I made my list and I had it that high. I'm like, he's going to laugh me out of this building. And then you had it. And I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. Probably not the one you thought that we'd share. Huh? No, no, 10. absolutely not. <laughs> no way. I was thinking like, uh, I'm sure he maybe, I mean, maybe off the wall. I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. maybe this, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I will, I totally am not ashamed to love that song, love that soundtrack and love Olivia Newton-John. Totally. This is great. I love this. I, I was not expecting so much love and respect for Louis Newton-John, but I'm really glad that we have yep. that on here collectively. So Absolutely. Yep. Obviously, it, it was on my list, so I, I certainly don't have much more to add, and I can't argue it. Um, so I'll just move on to my number three, which may be – I don't know if I want to call it controversial, I, but I could see people listening to this and going, really? That's in his top three and, and – Rock with you was an honorable mention. Sure, I, I, if I take a little flat for this one, I understand. But I just think this song is so catchy, and every time it, I hear it, I just want to belt it out, like I think most people do. But it's one of those that you probably, again, you probably don't share that fact with people. Uh, my number three is "Fame" by Irene Cara. Uh, because it's just one of those, it's one of those just sort of uplifting, sort of motivational um, anthems. You know, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. Like, it's, it's just, it, it's just fun. And it's a song that I, I think it's inspiring. I, I, it, it really set the tone, I think, for a lot of other songs in the 80s that, that kind of sound similar, that, that are in that same vein, those really sort of inspirational pop hits, um, you know, that are kind of belted out by the singer, that are fun to sing along with. You usually can't ever hit the same notes, so it doesn't sound as good when you're singing it, but you really don't care. Um, you roll the windows down, or maybe you roll the windows up, depending on how ashamed you are. Um, but, you know, you just listen to it, and you're belting out the notes, and it's just a lot of fun. And when it's over, you're like, I kind of want to listen to it again. That was that was a fun experience, and I think I want more of that in my life. And so, for that reason, uh, yeah, I, I I can't really put my finger on why it's this high on my list. But as I was measuring it up against some of the other songs, I went, if I had to listen to one of these two songs right now, I'd rather listen to Fame. So that's why it's my number three. You know, that's another one of those songs, kind of like Upside Down. Now, I don't hate Irene Cara by any stretch. Um, <laughs> My no, that's my point is that's one that I probably wouldn't have sought out when I was a kid, but that's when I that's that's another one I got to credit my mom for because she loved the movie, uh, she loved the TV show, so when she bought she that was another soundtrack she bought, so so that song, but again, another like 80s catchy feel that, I mean, that's yeah. that's 80s right there, that is 80s. That that riff at the beginning is totally the decade. That half of that early half of the decade, totally. And uh, uh, she had a killer voice. Um, she might be number two behind Kenny Loggins for coolest movie songs because she would do another one later in yes. the decade that I'm sure when you get to that year will be talked about. Um, so yeah, I like that pick. I I, I think it, it was another one that dominated the the charts. 
again, better movie than Xanadu. Uh, probably shouldn't have made it a TV show, but that was that's the kind of thing they were doing back then. But yeah, my mom liked all that kind of schlock, so I was okay with it. But that's a good pick because that's another one like. And you're like, did I just do this to Irene? Car- what is wrong with me? And why do I want to hear it again? Like, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> that, that's what it is. I just want to, like, throw on a cape and just start running through the streets like, like a superhero when, when that song comes on. Yeah. No, I like that. That's a groovy pick, man. Again, it's a lot like – it's, again, for me, it's a lot like the, the Diana Ross pick. Uh, not a song I'd seek out, but if I had like if I had eighties on eight Sirius XM on, and mm-hmm. what and this happens to me a lot, but it would happen to me with Fame and probably Upside Down. I'd be like, da, 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 and then it would fade. I'd be like, all right, I'm now going to go to my Apple Music and I'm going to listen to it again. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> so. I, I love that pick again. That's one that that I have to credit. I have to credit my mom for because she loved Fame. She loved the movie. She loved the the soundtrack and the TV show. So that's another one that that like you said, you're you're thinking to yourself, why am I grooving to the song, and why do I not want to stop grooving to the song? Totally agree with you, hundred percent on that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I, I and if you're listening, you probably feel the same way. You just might be scared to admit it. It's okay. You're amongst friends here. You can admit that you jam to Irene Cara. Totally. <laughs> All right. What am I on? Number two. Number All two. right. Number two. This is where I have uh, Call Me by Blondie. I have it at number two. Um, Love it. It was the number one Billboard song that year, uh, which I don't ever totally agree with. I don't think it was the best song of that year. Is it an awesome song? Well, yes, I have it at number clearly two. it's your number two. So. It's my number two, but it's my number one. My number one is going to probably be very different than anything we've we've listened to we've talked about tonight but which is pretty great but um another movie song uh of course that mo- that song came from the uh american gigolo soundtrack mm-hmm. which by the way i don't know if anybody's watched the show on showtime the one with uh james uh with um uh what is it john bernthal uh yeah it's good it's not it's not the for anybody that's never ever seen american gigolo with richard gear I would watch it. It's it's pretty dark. It's uh it's it's a good movie. It's it's uh it's about a a gigolo. Um but that song's in it. It's in a good spot in the movie and it's also in the soundtrack. So uh and the other thing too is Scotty, I'm not the biggest Blondie fan. Like there's there's very few songs that I would um that I turn off on the radio. Uh Believe by Cher uh smooth and i love santana but that rob thomas song shoot me in the head um i have a friend now it doesn't for me but i actually it's dr g i might as well say it dr g from the saturday special he cannot stand hotel california by the eagles anymore because it's one of those songs he feels every time it comes on the radio it's like 15 times a day that's how i feel about heart of glass uh is it a landmark song for her for them of course it is to the point where I feel like when I was a kid, whether it was MTV, because it, it did have a video, or on my local rock station in, in the New Haven area where I grew up, or, you know, New York radio, Heart of Glass got played to death in my in my childhood. So I like Call Me Anyway, because it's not Heart of Glass. Um, but Debbie Harry's got one of those voices that 
marks time again. She is she is the siren of New Wave and Punk. But Blondie, similar to the Ramones to a certain extent, figured out that we have to do songs that we have to get songs outside of, you know, CBGBs and the piss smelling toilets mm-hmm. with no doors. We need to get out into the mainstream. That's what Call Me is. I feel like Heart of Glass was a good song, but it kind of still fit that disco, that uh, punky disco kind of punky disco yeah. uh, kind of thing. Call Me, uh, in my opinion, like you said, is a legit pop hit. And I think it was the hit that kind of got Blondie that mainstream. And again, it didn't hurt oh, yeah. that it was in a it was in a great movie of 1982. So I like I love the fact that you had it on your list because uh, it I think being on the soundtrack helped it sell, which is why I think Billboard had it at number one at the end of the year. Um, and I think that uh, sadly uh, they wouldn't have much of a window left. The 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 guitarist got sick. Her uh, I, boyfriend, I think they got married. Um, I can't remember his name, Chris. I can't think of his last name, but he got, he had some strange disease and, and then they had like, he had some disorder and they ended up like breaking up or taking a hiatus for like four or five years. And by then music had changed kind of thing. It was really sad what happened to Blondie after like 82. Um, and they were revolutionary because then in a couple of years, I'm sure when you, I think it's 80, I think it came out in 82. So your guest or you may, may bring up rapture which is many consider like the first legit rap song because she pretty much freestyles in that song in the back end. But call me Rapture will be on my list when it's appropriate. Okay. There you go. Um, But excuse me. Call me is just one of those good explosive pop songs for Blondie and for Debbie Harry uh, at a time when they needed it, when punk was starting to kind of like close the door kind of thing you know so i am a uh i am a giant uh i heard my door open i hope i'm not getting mugged uh no. imagine that oh my god my number one song is no um no. someone someone heard your disdain for heart of glass and they're like exactly I, I, yeah I <laughs> some punk fa- some punk fans are throwing glass at me no um no but just a big fan of of blondie and i think that's a great song and it because i think it marks time for them as a legit pop act and and I think it earned it earns its but there's one song for in my eyes that's just a little bit better for 1980. But I love I love Call Me. Good pick. Yeah, likewise again. Yeah, I, it's pretty much a perfect pop song in my opinion. I, I just think it's it's so well done. I think her vocals on it are are incredible. Uh, number two for me. Uh, before we get into our number one, my number two. I feel like my number two would be on most people's list for 1980 because I, I think it's probably one of the most well-known songs of that year. I think it's another one of those songs that is pretty much everywhere and has stood the test of time. Here we are, you know, almost 43 years later, and I, I think this song still resonates, and it's because of – it's 100% unequivocally because of the beat of this song. Um, it's to me, it's a better version of Cars by Gary Newman, um, and it's Funky Town by Lip Sync. Ah, it's. I think it's one of. The, I think it's one of the most, of the most popular the most songs popular of the eighties, decade, let alone just nineteen eighty. I mean, this is a song that is immediately recognizable. You say Funky Town, and everyone thinks. It, 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 it's. 
Uh, it, it's just so much fun. It, this is the easiest song you could ever possibly sing along with, right? I remember singing along with this as a kid, probably before I could even say complete sentences, because it's just that easy to sing along to. And who doesn't want that in a fun song? This is the type of song you put on on a road trip, and parents will enjoy it. Kids can listen to it. Grandma's in the back jamming out to it, because it's just, I think it's universally likable. I, I don't think there's anything about this song that's not fun, that you really can't get behind. Again, is it the best song ever written? No, it's nowhere near the best song ever written. But I think that it's just so popular. You know, it's been in a ton of movies, and it's it's all over the place. It's really fun. I knew I had to have this song on my list. When I was looking at my list, I said, wow, I really like that song. And I thought because it crept all the way up to number two for me. Yeah, that's one of those songs that was constantly on the radio. Um and again, it's got the 1980 yeah. seems to be the year of the opening beat. Yes. 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 You know, 1980 was the year where like the first 10 seconds of a song made the song. And uh, that's that's a perfect example. Um, yeah, I have that on my on my my uh, honorable mention because, again, great radio hit uh, played in the summertime. Uh, one of those songs by the pool where you can kind of jam out in the pool kind of thing. Yeah, I, I like that. I like your thinking when it comes to your pop songs because it's got to be something that stays in your head, you know, uh, yeah. and if in a good way, of course. You know, then there's some songs that are total earworms. But, uh, <laughs> but in this case, you're talking about a song that is easy to sing. Talking about, talking about. Like, it's very easy to sing. It stays yeah, in it your does. head. Gotta move on. yeah Yeah, exactly it's just it's it's and it's almost it's it's you know what i like about that one too it gives you a little taste of what life was like in the late 70s without feeling worn out you know uh at a time when people were burning uh saturday night fever records which made my mom cry but uh but and all that kind of stuff uh funky town was able to kind of fit into the uh the 80s uh window to start the decade and still have a feel of what life was like at studio 54 and and in the in the the late 70s so i like that song because i feel like it transcends uh generations and transcends decades that is an awesome pick. Yeah, I like that I, song. Agree. I, I think it's the it's the first song I can ever remember where it actually made me want to go to the place that the song was talking about. I wanted to go to Funky Town when I was a kid. Exactly. I don't know where it is. I don't know what happens there, but I want to go. Like they asked, "Won't you take me to?" And I'm like, "Yes, please take me there." Like I, I beat me up, Scotty. I I want to go. Take me to Funky Town. <laughs> yes, I agree 100. percent It's time for your well, one, Scott. We have gotten here and. I didn't. I'm surprised that I have this number one, uh, believe it or not. But when I thought about it, I went, "I love the song." Uh, it's a band that I've learned to appreciate as I've gotten older, because they're a band that they're hard to, not hard to like when you're younger, but they're hard to understand when you're younger. They're one of those great bands that that killed it. They were, you know, they came out in the '60s, killed it in the '70s. Arguably one of the greatest albums ever. And then they did this album, which is connected to a movie. And this song kind of gave them that pop. Again, another song by a rock proggy artist that 
that hit the money time because it was a catchy tune. So my number one for 1980 is Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, the That song uh, got me to like Pink Floyd. Because when I was seven years old, eight years old, and again, I just to give somebody some background for those that don't know, I am the youngest of four. I have two older brothers and an older sister. And one thing about my family is everybody likes something different. You know, my my brother, oldest brother was the arena rock guy, Sticks, Journey, Cheap Trick, that kind of thing. My sister was the Prince, Hall and Oates, uh, mm. you know, Journey kind of thing. And then my other brother was the metalhead. He was the Iron Maiden crew. You know, he had the tap, the Eddie tapestry on the wall that glowed in the dark and scared the crap out of me when I was 10 years old. Um, you know, so I, I was blessed as a kid to have all of these different genres. But when my brother, and I was like eight, when my brother first played me uh, Dark Side of the Moon, I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. when you're eight years old, you're like, I don't even know what, what are they talking about? Like the songs were too just oh, weird, you know? And I feel like when you're young, you don't appreciate a band like Pink Floyd or a band like Rush, like those, or yes, you know, those kind of proggy bands of the seventies who were kind of artsy fartsy. Mm-hmm. You could appreciate the, 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 the uh, musical aspect of it, but trying to figure out what they're trying to say. I mean, Roger Waters is woo, way out in another world but there was something about the wall that changed it for me that got me to understand and that song uh i remember as a kid again another we don't need no like i said like Mm -hmm. like we like i feel like the theme of our episode tonight is riffs that stay in your head in a good way and that's another one. Dun, 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 dun. You know, I don't even know, like the guy yelling at the end, how could you have your pudding if you don't eat your meat? I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I don't know. But but then I watched The Wall, which is a, another move, movie that, you know, you got to kind of have be in a certain frame of mind to enjoy. But yeah. the soundtrack is great. And that, to me, was the song that kind of stamped 1980 as, as the beginning of a decade of such diversity for different genres. And... That's the song, just like just like Call Me for Blondie. I feel like this song kind of got Pink Floyd that pop exposure that they probably didn't have, even with great albums like Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You mm-hmm. Were Here, because those are for the proggy guys who, you know, like the, the nerd rockers who liked bands like Rush. But then you get to now, and now you have a song that is in a more universal stage. And that's why, to me, it is the most memorable song for me and the number one song of 1980. Because for Pink Floyd, arguably one of the greatest bands of all time, again, you needed that one song to bring it to a pop level that gives you a broader audience. And that, to me, is is another brick in the wall. Even if at first you listen to it, you have no idea what it means, it's okay. You'll get to it eventually, so long as you enjoy it and you enjoy the way it sounds. And that's how I I feel about that, and that's why I think it's the best song in 1980 because it gave it gave it gave pop listeners a chance to really take in a band that probably either never heard of or thought was going to go over your head, and instead uh, entertained you with a killer song, killer guitar by by David Gilmore, um, 
and just haunting lyrics and just a great intelligent song from a great intelligent band. That's such a great pick. That that's such a great pick for number one. I, I think that a lot of people would agree with you. That's it's an incredible song. It it's it's a song that evokes emotions in you when you listen to it, but and you're not quite sure why. You're not quite sure how to feel, but you know that you're feeling something. Yep. Um, it, it really is a great, it's, it's, it's almost haunting that song. And, and yes. I don't know if that's because for me, obviously I, so I was born in 1989. So, you know, for me growing up, my first kind of exposure to that was a cover that was in the movie, the faculty that came out in 1999, um, which was like a teen oh, yeah. sort of horror movie with Jeff yep. Hartnett and, and Elijah Wood, uh, and they did yep. a cover of, you know, there was a cover of that song, and I remember seeing the music video on MTV, you know, that went along with the movie, and just thinking, wow, this song is so cool, and I didn't realize that, you know, that it was a Pink Floyd song, and then once I did, I, I kind of went back and said, oh, I need to listen to the Pink Floyd version, of course, which is obviously superior in, in the better version, but so I think so I think my connotation of that is it's a little it's darker and it's haunting because it was in kind of a horror movie. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of I kind of you know that's synonymous for me. I kind of lumped the two together. But uh, even independently, that song is it's really good. Yeah, we don't need no education teacher. You know, leave those kids alone. It, it's what you want to go into school and say. Also, it's like. I, I want to just go into school, school and, and it's, it's, it's got that school's it's, out it's for the summer. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly yeah, this how, is how I feel. How we don't know education. Know. education. You know, hey, you teacher, know, leave hey, those kids alone, alone, right? But you don't ask right. them. You don't ask them. You're going to get in trouble. But you want right. them. Right. Right. It really is a song that just every time I listen to it, I guess with the kids, I get in my feels. You know, when I you listen know, to it, because yep. it really is a song yep. that evokes a lot of emotion, and I think that's the the mark of, the mark of, of, of a great song great and, a, and a great band. Great band. If, you know, a song can elicit that sort of emotional reaction from you, and that's what I get from from the wall. That's an incredible pick. I have no qualms whatsoever about that pick. I, cool. I think Thank that you. Is a, a really great pick. I, I'm sure that you're not the only person that would have that at, at, in the number one spot for 1980 because. At, what you mentioned about kind of setting the tone for the diversity of the of the decade, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I'm fascinated now. I'm fascinated <laughs> where you're going right now. I'm fascinated. Not sure. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how this I, came. I, I, I think that if I, I was thinking, thinking about this beforehand with someone and, and kind of compiling a list in my head, I don't think this would have initially been in my number one spot. But the more and more I thought about it, the more I realized how much I love this song. And the lyrics, I think, are really really good, good. and I just love the way that it's sung. It's a band that we haven't even even talked about. about. Um, Um, There's there's actually a message in my madness There's a reason that I started out my air supply out of love, sort of that, you know, we talked about sort of romantic, scorned love ballad. Because I bookmarked mm-hmm. my list. Because my number one is my Keep on, one on Loving You by REO Speedwagon. Oh. Which, which I think is probably one of the best love ballads ever written and ever performed. I, I, I don't know what it is about this song, but I, I just think it's beautifully written, beautifully sung. I think that it's every single emotion you feel probably from ages 11 to 25. 
encompassed in a song and anyone who's ever you know lost someone they were in love with or you know went through a breakup i mean and you're still longing for that person this is that song for you and i i think that this is the song that you sit you know with the tub of ice cream you know and you're crying and you're on the couch and you don't really want anyone to know how you're feeling but to me that's the song that plays when this happens in your life and i i just even talking about it right now and just hearing the lyrics in my head i just think it's just so well written i think it really does touch all of the emotional um feelings that you're going through you know when you are young and in love or out of love or you know whatever the case is but i i just i love this song when i said that i love you i meant that i loved you forever i mean that that's such a an an iconic lyric to me. Um, I don't want to quit. I just want to keep on loving you. It's what more can you ask for? I I absolutely love this song, and that's why it's number one for me with a bullet. Uh, I forgot that this song actually came out in late '80s. So technically, because I every time I hear this song, I think of 1981 because that's when the mm-hmm. album came out. But I think it song came out in December did... of 1980, actually. Yeah, so it technically counts. I, I would probably, I'll tell you right now, I would put this song, and this is a this is a minutia thing, but I would put this song in my top three for 1981. So I'm fine with that. I, I'm that. So you're not getting zero argument out of me at all, <laughs> um, uh, because I would put it in 1981 but i probably have it at number two so (laughs) number one or number two so i'm not gonna that song because i remember the out first of all the album high infidelity is great and i remember my because this was you're you're absolutely right too scotty because my this was my brother's eighth grade year he was in eighth grade and i was in second grade and i remember this song playing on the radio and he had pool parties with girls and it was pretty hot and everything but i remember this song reminding me of him because it more obviously got hot in in the spring of 81 but when it came out that winter i remember my brother had the album and it it uh it definitely um it it, it that's another haunting one you know yes. uh uh any song about love is haunting in one way or another um and i I uh, I will never say a bad thing about REO Speedwagon. I saw them live, and they were fantastic live. Um, and that album and that song, uh, take it on the is take it on the run on that album. I think it is. Uh, Time for me Wait to fly. Minute. I think is on that album. Yeah, it, it's just that's one of those albums that just up and down the dial is just one amazing cut after another. And I love Kevin Cronin's voice. Uh, yeah, zero argument out of me, brother. That song, I, I that I. I they put that in the uh, yacht rock list, which I don't know if that makes <laughs> Dario Speedwagon happy, but um, that's another one that I could listen to. Kind of like we said earlier about D- Diana Ross. That's another song that it's on the radio. I'll listen to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it again. That's how much I love that yeah, song. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever listened to that song once and stopped. Yeah, it, I I need to play it on a loop almost. It's, yep. It to me, it's just it's that good. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Uh, I I uh, I am very very pleased. I think. Uh, I think that song, uh, and again, uh, I don't know how your criteria will be for future episodes, but obviously songs carry over. So whoever you have on for the 1981 episode, most certainly will use it. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's and that's fine. It's just the way music goes. But uh, I I love that pick, man. I'm I I heart you for that one. I do because that's 
that album is amazing. That song is amazing. Um, that's another one that my that I get from my my older siblings that I love that much. So, thank you, thank you for reminding thank me what a great song that is. Yes, it really is. Uh, thank you. I mean, we made it, Scott. We made it through our our list here. Honestly, collectively, I think we probably have eighteen of the best twenty five songs of the year. Right. I mean, Probably. between both of our lists, I, I yeah. feel like we, we covered so much. We only had, you know, only uh, Magic and, and Call Me were, were duplicates. So, right. you know, all, all of these songs uniquely, I think, would be pretty much universally on most people's lists, I would I would say. Maybe not for their top 10, but if you did a top 25, I would imagine most of these, if not all of them, would be in there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I had a couple of, I had a couple of, uh, uh, um, Honorable mentions, if I may. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me yeah, know, like, kind of what just missed, and and yeah, what, uh, what 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 else you had. I had four songs that just missed. Um, one is another groovy uh, R and B song that gives me kind of the feels, and that "Shining Star" by the Manhattans. Uh, yeah, it's a good uh, song. I love that song. Um, just another good groovy kind of you know sexy uh, that like you want to play when you're you know, when it's the, you know, when, when, when the lady wants to come up for a nightcap kind of thing, when the mood strikes, exactly. When when the lady comes up for a nightcap and, you know, um, another one is, uh, little genie by Elton John. Uh, another great, uh, I love, I love early eighties Elton, uh, that blue eyes, just a bunch of greats. I'm still standing, which I'm sure will be a song that's talked about in a future episode. Um, I love little genie. It's a great song. Uh, this this one, if you've never heard of it or if anybody hasn't heard it, this is another one that's a heartbreaker and it gets you in the feels. And it, it might have been his last hit before he, the band broke up. And that's Please Don't Go by KC and the Sunshine Band. Uh, another one of those songs where you're like, don't go, don't go away. You're like pleading. It's like, it's like, oh, my God, the poor bastard. I feel so terrible for him. Yeah, it's like one of those. I expect that from the same band that did, you know, Boogie Shoes, right? Boogie, yeah, or, or, you know, Get Down Tonight, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then my last one, uh, my last one is because it's a yacht rock staple. Is biggest part of me by Ambrosia. I love that song. Uh, another one that that now that I'm reminded of it when it's uh, it plays on the yacht rock channel on Sirius XM all the time um, is another one that definitely not probably at the level of a top ten, but definitely one song that need that shouldn't be forgotten um, mm-hmm. in no, history. That's a, that's a really good song. Yeah. So that's my honorable mention. I, I prefer uh, how much I feel um, for Ambrosia. I, I love I how much I feel too. Yes, them, which yep. is love that too. Seventy-seven or seventy-eight, but yeah, yep. That's the album. That's the album before, but yeah, biggest part of me. That, that's a really good. Ambrosia is actually probably an underrated band in my opinion. They yes, I agree. And I don't think they get talked about a lot. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I, have, I have a couple as well um, that just missed. One of them is uh, "Shook Me All Night Long" (ACDC). Back in Black. What an album. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, that's a fun song. That's one that you, you know, kind of hear at a bar or even at a ball game. Like, it's, yep. it's I mean, they have so many hits. It's really hard. To, yeah. It's hard to escape ACDC. I feel like if you go outside in some way, shape, or form, you probably hear an ACDC song, even if it's someone just driving past you. Yep. They're, they're just everywhere. But Shook Me All Night Long, I think, is, is this fun song. Yes. Uh, I agree. My other ones, I... I, I had to put I a Journey song somewhere, somewhere because it's Journey, right? And I mm-hmm. mean, they're 
one of the quintessential bands of the 80s. So I, I chose Any Way You Want It. I think Any Way You Want It is, I don't think it's one of their best songs necessarily, but I think it's, I think it's a good song. I think it's fun. It is. When I was in college, we used to have, you know, this is back when uh, Rock Band was out on like the PS2, PS3, and we used to have Rock Band nights, and one of the songs they had was Any Way You Want It. And it was just easy. It was an easy song to sing. Anyone, it was, shit, you know, kind of scared to take the mic. It's like, oh, just do any way you want it. And they go, oh, yeah, okay, that's easy enough. You know, easy to sing, but yep. fun song. Not one of my favorite Journey songs, but I still think it's really good. I still enjoy yeah. that song. Yep. Um, and then the last one for me is... Um, Hit me with your best shot by Pat Benatar. Mm. Great um, I, I love Pat Benatar. Um, I'll definitely talk about her on a later episode, uh, just because there's one song by her that I think is one of the best of the entire decade, and I know I'll have that very high on my, I think, 1983 list. Uh, but I, I really enjoy Pat Benatar. Um, Heartbreaker was 79, I believe, so that probably would have made my list if it was 1980 because I love yeah. Heartbreaker. But Hit Me With Your Best Shot is, is really good, too. Another song that's just fun, right? Most people know that song. They know the, you know, the you're a real tough cookie with a long history. Yeah. You know, that line. Most people kind of know how that song starts and, and know the Hit Me With Your Best Shot, Fire Away. Really catchy, fun song. Um, wanted to shout out Pat Benatar because I, I, she's one of my favorite artists of the 80s. I think she has an incredible discography. So almost made my list, but... I, I knew that Pat Benatar would come up later on on this show, so I figured I can hold off on that. Yeah, I, I'm actually. While you said that, uh, I went on to I'm on Wikipedia and I was looking up a specific song, my favorite Pat Benatar song of all time, and I was looking to see if you and I were going to be on the same wavelength, and we're probably not because, and I won't spoil it, but my my favorite Pat Benatar song actually came out in September of '82, so. It's probably okay. different than yours, but it's still. A, I'll, I'll tell you off. My, I'll tell you off air what it is, but I don't want to ruin it in case I'm. You know, we're on again. I'm on again down the line, but sure. uh, uh, it's. I. It's probably different than yours, but but I'll tell you what it is. But I, I. Whoever you have on for the next like three episodes, you're both of you are going to have Pat Benatar all the way down the line because she kills yeah. it the next three years from eighty or four years, I guess. I think from eighty one to eighty five, she absolutely kills it. So, yep. Okay. Good, good picks. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah, universally I think good picks. Good. Um, I, I, I really I, don't, like I said, I, not just with your number one, but I don't really have any qualms with your list at all. I think we covered a lot of the best songs of the decade. I think we covered some different genres. You know, we've got the remnants of disco in there. We've got love ballads. We've got queen village. Joel. you know, I mean, we touched on, you know, most of the top artists of that year, Michael Jackson, Blondie. So, yeah, you know, very diverse and in good list. I think you know, right alongside one another, there wasn't really too much debate about whether or not any of the songs belonged on the list, um, which is always nice to have. I think it's it's good to respect you know other people's tastes. It seems like our tastes are kind of similar, so I, you know, it, I'm kind of happy to see that we only had two that were you know they were on both lists. Um, you predicted six, so I'm glad that you know it was only only two and then we were able to talk about a lot more songs than yep. maybe we expected to. Yep. And I I almost I had to double check because I thought we both whiffed on a big one, both of us. But fortunately it was not eligible because I just said to myself, Oh crap, neither of us mentioned rapper's delight. 
by mm-hmm. uh by the Sugar Hill Gang, which is obviously iconic. But then I looked, and it actually came out in September of '79. So we're lucky. We we both we both yeah. we both didn't make it. So if it was <laughs> it wasn't li- legally on the list, but uh, so I'm good. So I feel better. Now. Yeah, if it was, but, that'd be, I'm sure that'd be pretty high for both of us. Yeah, definitely. No, there's no doubt. But what it fell short by four months. So now I feel better. <laughs> Yeah, same. So. Yeah, that would have been a, a huge oversight. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't really anticipate my show getting into hip hop for you know another six episodes at least. Probably. You know, yeah. Before, before that, really, you know, maybe maybe Run DMC is is probably where it might start to become consistent on you know on the right. list, maybe every single episode. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Obviously, but, I mean, I love hip hop music and. Oh yeah, I'm very excited to get to there. But before we can do that, you know, we we have to get through the very diverse early '80s, uh, which I'm really excited about because the next few years coming up are, I mean, there's some real heavy hitters. Um, I mean, you look yeah. at like 1983, 1984. Some people say are some of the best years in music of all time. Absolutely, so I'm, I'm I'm really excited to to get into. I'm looking forward to hearing it. We got through 1980, yep. Scott. Uh, thank you so much for being on. Um, you know, please give give any closing remarks and thoughts that you have. Thank you for taking this journey with me. I hope that to not only have you back on, but to also have you as an avid listener. And please feel free to to you know argue with any of the you know the listeners list or my list you know in upcoming episodes because I think that just makes it for some very great discussion and dialogue, you know, amongst us and amongst the, you know, everyone in the pod of pods and, and everything else. So really excited to have you on it. It's really been great. And uh, the floor is yours to, you know, say whatever it is, plug anything you'd like, please. And, uh, you know, you can take us out of here. Uh, well, first off, Scott, thank you. This has been an honor and a privilege. I, I love being a maiden, maiden guest on shows. I always, I'm, it's an honor to, to be thought of that way. So it means a lot to me. I appreciate it. I love talking music. I could talk about music as long as I could for as long as I could talk about wrestling. So, um, I'm going to listen every every episode. Uh, you know, I I I I hope I I will be invited on again. I'd love to be on again. Um, uh, and I just hope uh, you know that that everybody listens because you know nobody likes to age shame, and you know for all you Taylor Swift fans out there, I. She's okay, but she's not Blondie. Sorry, not happening. She's not. She's not Diana Ross. She's not. Uh, not uh, Pat God, she's, not even, she's not Pat Benatar. She's not even Barbara Streisand. And she even had a song that I actually. And I'm not a big fan of hers at all. But she's. <laughs> she even had a song in 1980 I moderately liked. But uh, uh, yeah, no, this has been great, Scott. Keep up the good work. I look forward to future episodes uh, with some great guests, and I look forward to being on again. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott C Podfather. Uh, more importantly, please follow the brand on Twitter, just like you follow the pop brand. Please follow the wrestling brand at PTBN Wrestling. Uh, we're covering all sorts of stuff. We have a great, uh, we have a great uh, cachet of of variety over on the wrestling feed, just like here on the pop feed. Uh, Scott, I look forward to you walking across the sidewalk because uh, you sound like we could talk a little Shawn Michaels for a couple hours, and no problem talking about that. Um, oh, listen, I haven't even started. Don't get me started on Triple H, too, man. I, I, I know how I know your love for Triple H. That's it. It's I, over. You're in the Hall of Fame now. You're in the Hall of Fame now. Interesting tidbit. I hate to cross paths right now, but everybody makes fun of everybody makes fun of Shawn Michaels' uh, uh, lazy eye. I found out today. Do you know where he got that? He didn't have that his whole life. 
Kane gave that to him at Unforgiven 2004. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, he, I, he, I, but, I know that it wasn't. I, I, I know that it wasn't prevalent in like the '90s. You look at you know New Generation Sean, and it's not there. Like it's definitely no. not. You know. He, I, I was watching some YouTube clips that I know weird way to end the show, but uh, since you mentioned Sean, uh, yeah, he, he, he got hit with uh, Kane hit him with something in that their match at I think it was Unforgiven '04, and he had some surgery and he had something with like a he's got something with his eyelid or whatever, and it caused a muscle to cause his eye, his left eye, to point funny like a lazy eye. So I, weird. I never knew that. I never knew it because yeah, like suddenly I look up and like wow, Sean's got a lazy eye. Like where'd that come from? Because if you look at him in the yeah, you look mm-hmm. at him in the '90s, he no problem at all. But um, anyway, yeah. So please, Scott C Podfather on Twitter, but most importantly at PTB and Wrestling, uh, we have great programming from everybody. Everybody works so hard. Whether it's my uh, you know the PTB Wrestling Network, the Pop Experience, uh, the No So, and of course on the No So you could find the uh, you could find the Jenny position. We all work so hard. You know, it, it, we do it for nothing. You know, and we. We just love to entertain. You know, I was in radio for 11 years and I loved it. I love spinning music. I love doing sports. I love doing news. That's why I love to, to podcast because I just love to entertain, inform, and have fun. And that's all we do here. You know, and uh, just, re- you know, it, it's it's great to see new, exciting programming here on all of our feeds. This show is going to be amazing. Um you know, I'm already thinking of ideas for you for for future things. See, you 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 let the rabbit out of the hat tonight, my friend, because I got <laughs> I got stuff for you that's just gonna blow your mind. So we'll have to talk in the future. But um, it is an honor. Thank you again. It was so much fun. I look forward to again future guests that you have, and I, I again I look forward. I'd be I'd be blessed to, to be on with you again. So uh, thank you, thank you. It's been it's been real. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and thank you, you know, you and everyone else in, in, in you know, Play to be Nation for what you guys do and the entertainment factor. Um, I've listened to the podcast. A lot of flights, a lot of, uh, you know, car rides, bus rides, wherever I'm going. That's, you know, usually one of my first options. Um, you know, I, I'm so happy to be, you know, to be coming becoming a part of the family here and being a fan for so long and being welcome with open arms is really great. It really speaks to, great to have everyone you. as a person. Um, can't wait to, to one day get on the flagship. Um, right after this, I'm actually going to fire up some Unforgiven 08, um, you know, <laughs> that just dropped. Uh, yes, so I'm, did. I'm excited. I get excited every time, every time you and you and JT, you know, drop, drop something there. So happy when you guys finally pick back up in 07, uh, cause I've been waiting for that for a while. Um, and yeah, you meant I've definitely had you back on. You mentioned something that I want to just put that out there to anyone that's listening. Look, if you want to come on the show, please let me know. Um, reach out to me, uh, you know, however you want, social media wise, um, or just reach out to anyone, any place be nation, and, and I'm sure you know we can get that set up. But if you have a specific Absolutely. gear that you really want to do and passion, let me know. I'll put you on the list for that gear. You know, if there's if you really like 1994 for whatever reason, or you know 1987, whatever your vice is, and you know whatever you feel like you have really strong opinions about, or you really want to talk about, let me know if you want to do a specific year and and it's yours. You know, if you know, reach out to me. Now the first one, that's it. That's your year. Same goes for you, Scott. You know, I know you could give me every single year. So, you know, but <laughs> oh god, no one's gonna want that much of me. Yeah, I know <laughs> no one's gonna want that much of me. 
for me, 1997 is kind of like, that's my big, like, quintessential year. Um, but, you know, if anyone has one of those, certainly reach out, let me know, and I'm happy to have you on for that specific year. Or if not, or if you, just, you want to come on and you want me to surprise you, you, let me know what that too, and then I'll throw you a random one, and, you know, challenge yourself, right, to, to you know, pull, pull out some stuff from a random year, a random 1991. No one really thinks of that one right after So, uh, really excited for this. Um, I can't wait to, to, you know, have more episodes. It's going to be monthly, so if you're listening, uh, you know, look out for us on the hot feed uh, once a month, and, and, you know, we'll definitely do some, some promoting for it so that you know where to find it. Um, but I just hope that you guys enjoyed it. I hope that you keep on loving this podcast and this show, because uh, we got a long ways to go and a lot of things to learn. 